Hey Claire, I am back. Guess who's back? back. Joe Lund's back. I'm How was back. it? Oh, it was amazing. It was so good. It was a week ago that I got back from Canada on my hockey extravaganza long weekend in Toronto. And it was, it was great. It was really, really good. And I was glad to see some uh, entertaining games because ultimately, as a fan travelling all the way out there, that is what you want. You want A, your team to win at least one, and then B, the games to be entertaining. And I was glad to say that those two things were ticked off. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but, you know, yeah. other things are Go happening on. in the NHL right now. I mean, frankly, it's more like hokey-cokey, in-out, in-out, shake-it-all about, with two wildcard spots dancing about in the East and another one out in West. And all these positions still to be decided. It's been a pretty exciting end to this season, I think. Who would have thought in October, when we first started doing this podcast, that here we would be and so many question marks would be on the final two or three games of the season. It's exciting. You know how you ended up um, following Columbus in their uh, road to the Stanley Cup playoffs or not? Then I've ended up in this time when the least kind of playoffs has been secured and there's not really that much to play for. I've ended up just being a fan of the Central Division. Like I've ended up just following Winnipeg, Nashville and St. Louis. St. Louis, by the way, who we might mention a little bit later on in the podcast, but they were bottom of the NHL in January. And now they are fighting Winnipeg and Nashville for a top spot in the Central. Not just to get into the playoffs, but a top spot. I just find that unbelievable. The Central Division top places go as follows. Winnipeg on 96 points. Nashville on 96 points. St. Louis on 94. It is so, so close and it's great fun to follow it well talking about fighting for spots there is of course the lose for hughes hashtag that we'll be talking about as we look towards who is going to get that number one draft place which players are going to come out in the draft lottery next week and also talking about the code and fighting after paul byron returned to montreal canadians lineup in a crucial time for their season and he challenged uh, Mackenzie Wieger a few weeks ago. Was it worthwhile him doing that at such a timely point to their season? All this is to be discussed, and we just so happen to have a Canadians fan on today. What a time to be a Leafs fan, and what a week to invite one of them on our podcast. Welcome to NHL Fans from Afar. So, Jolon, um, uh, in my nerdy state, I have been looking up uh, geeky facts about Jack Hughes to impress ah. you, which I'll uh, whip out later on. If is you, this uh... as you uh, with your Colorado hat on, is it? <laughs> no, not, not Colorado hat. It's just Jack Jack Hughes, you know. Who is he? He's the person everyone's talking he, about. He is the person everyone's talking about, and he is the one that, unless you're a fan of the Ottawa Senators, and I kind of feel bad because... Or Colorado. Senators, well, so, yeah, with this caveat, though, unless you're a fan of the Ottawa Senators who kind of feel that the organisation needs to learn and the only way they'll learn is by Jack Hughes going to them as the first-round draft pick and then, of course, that first-round draft pick going to the Colorado Avalanche. So now with Ottawa 
cemented in that bottom spot in the NHL, you've just got to think that the hockey gods up there are going to dish out that first round pick to Ottawa, therefore to Colorado, because my days, what an amazing story for hockey that will be. Mm-hmm. And of course, unless you're an Ottawa Senators fan, in which case you, you could really do without that. What I enjoy about this game is that right now, I mean, thank God we haven't got Stephen Edwards on because <laughs> if Colorado make the playoffs and they get that first pick, what an end to the season that is for them. With some more, they've already got some stars in their lineup, so it's it's just it could potentially be a really fantastic uh, season, regardless of how far they go in the playoff run. It almost doesn't matter in that sense. Um, but I, I guess the other thing with the Jack Hughes thing is you still got. LA Kings, Devils and Sabres, you know, in the mix for this uh, draft lottery as well, haven't you? So, yeah. Um, and, I, and with, with New Jersey, with New Jersey and Buffalo and teams like that, you, you really wonder about it because you think they've already got those stars. I mean, actually, even Ottawa to a certain extent, because you've got Thomas Chabot and Kachuk and players like that, all of these teams down at the bottom have got those superstars ready in waiting. So you add a Jack Hughes to that, and actually their rebuild could be cut short considerably, and they could become a contender again in the not-too-distant future. This is a huge part of the year for those teams, and I just, I, I, I've grown to love following the NHL draft. And I can't believe we're already talking about this with the playoffs around the corner. But for a large part of the league, that is where they're now focused on. Mm. Okay, well, I will tell you who Jack Hughes has as a poster on his wall a little bit later. Oh, um, I can't wait. <laughs> these, are, these are the things I've got to tease you with. Right. Um, but we should welcome our guest this week um, because, frankly, it must be quite a tense time for Dave, um, who is a Montreal <laughs> Canadiens fan. It's a shame um, they've got nothing to play for, eh? <laughs> oh wow well, well that's a nice welcome isn't it <laughs> oh, i don't even know what well i do know what this is like because this was the least of a few years ago but this is a nervous time to be a team when you guys are right on the edge of a wild card spot so as we record this dave i'm sure you know this but to anyone listening right now then the montreal canadians are sitting on 94 points equal with columbus and only a point behind the carolina hurricanes in the east for those two coveted wildcard spots. Dave, what is it like right now? Give us a snapshot of what it's like being a Montreal Canadiens fan. Um, up and down uh, for the last week or so, thinking we're going to make it, we're not, we're not going to make it. Is it best for us to make it? Is it not? Um, a lot of people saying um, that we've um, over-exceeded what we were supposed to do this year and we should be pleased with that. There's a lot of young players. Um but honestly, I didn't expect to wake up and see us beating Tampa this morning, um, ultimately. No. Um, with a tough schedule ahead, we need to win basically every single game, or at least five out of six points. And um, yeah, a big win against Tampa last night was really exciting. And whether we make it you know, into the playoffs or not, I think it hopefully shows to any other teams going to the playoffs that it can be done in one game and you know, maybe, maybe more. Um, and the win was about, you know, great team effort, determination and grit, which is not something that I consider as something the Canadians are known for, probably more um, speed, um, 
probably like an arsenal of the NHL play beautiful hockey and it's good to watch if you're not so bothered about success because um, <laughs> ever since I've followed hockey they've not done anything too great um, but they've sort of been up and around there so yeah nervous times I think we've got the the hardest schedule by far I think you have because um, you've got caps and then the last game could be decided as Stephen pointed out the other week by Toronto Maple Leafs I mean what yeah. Ah. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I was looking over the other the other schedules and the teams that they play. Uh, Columbus have got who have they got New York and Ottawa, and Carolina have who do they have? Uh, Col- Columbus, I've got Columbus, I've got here. I've got New York Rangers and Ottawa Senators. Yes, sorry, did I say Carolina? Yeah, Columbus. Yeah, and uh, Carolina must have Philadelphia and New Jersey. Yes, they do. So not. You know, not teams that should be frightening at this stage, really, after after the seasons they've had. It's strange, uh, though, isn't it, Dave? Because, you, you know, you look at those final run-in games and you think, well, Washington and Toronto and Tampa are all playoff teams. But at the same time, certainly for Tampa and Toronto, I'm not sure on Washington. Uh, although, yeah, no, Washington are pretty much fine as well, I think. Um Although, actually, the Islanders could catch them. So, certainly for Tampa and Toronto, anyway, they've actually got nothing really to play for. And even though you're playing playoff teams, it's not necessarily playoff teams who are flat out. So, it's really difficult to judge these games. It was like the Leafs in Carolina last night. You know, there's no wonder Carolina won that game because they've got so much to play for, whereas the Leafs had just clinched a playoff spot the night before. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think... You know, as much as we played well last night, I don't think Tampa had their foot full on the gas. You know, I think they they definitely seemed not quite themselves, um, and we we capitalised on that. Um, but I think also to counteract that, Ottawa have you know put up some big wins um, against yes, teams they have, <laughs> and and they've got you know very little to play for. So, you know, that's that's the NHL, I guess, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, t- and Florida have been. Um, you know, putting goals in for fun. Um, there's been a few teams that probably haven't been brilliant for a while, but have, you know, suddenly started to, um, you know, finish off big teams or or get big wins. And um, so, yeah, who knows, really? I guess. What uh, we'll I find see. interesting about Montreal Canadiens, obviously, the history of being one of the the original teams is fascinating. Because I was just trying to work out on my geeky hockey pad here. Um, how many cups Montreal Canadiens actually have? I think if I count this right, it's 24, which is insane, isn't it? Some some teams haven't even got any. But I didn't realise that Montreal Canadiens were the last Canadian team, Canadian team, to win the Stanley Cup, um, which was back in 1993. And if the Canadians obviously get through um, to the playoffs, then... There will be four Canadian teams in the playoffs, which has got to be quite a rare... It must be a few years since that's happened. Not quite sure. But, you know, it becomes a question, though, Dave, whether history is a hindrance um, to Montreal Canadiens or a help. Because it always just seems that such a long time ago, a bit like Toronto, it doesn't even really matter anymore. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last time they won a cup was before I was watching hockey. It was, yeah, it's, uh, it, it can be something that people, rely, you know, rely on. It's, uh, well, you know, yeah, we've won this many cups, but 
but how many recently? And and I think since I've watched the Canadians, they've always had really balanced teams. Um, obviously, you've got you know a few standout players still, like Kerry Price, who's just been incredible. But I remember before him, it was Jose Theodore, who I played in the game I saw live 17 years ago, and he was you know incredible. I didn't want him to stop playing and friends of mine in Canada were saying yeah but this guy who's coming you know he's, he's going to be going to be incredible and he, and he was he was even better so um, you know but apart from those few instances we've had quite balanced teams with some skill um, and we've played played fast paced exciting hockey but not necessarily getting getting the results that you want um, but yeah it's, it's a it's a big history but you've got to take into account I suppose there's a lot less teams hmm. um, and and the league's expanding, you know. Um, just got thirty one now, soon to be thirty two, um, which I'm not a fan of because it means more hockey to keep up with, which is hard enough already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned you, Dave. You mentioned Carey Price, and it, you kind of can't have a conversation about Montreal without mentioning him because he's such a such a huge part of that organisation. Not only his cap hit is, you know, is massive for a goaltender, but he's, he's widely regarded as the world's best goaltender um, when it comes to ice hockey. How much has he been part of this surge to what could end up being, um, you know, viewed as an overachievement, but getting to the playoffs at a point when you guys probably didn't think you would? How much has Carey Price played a key part in that? Oh, massively. I mean, I think they were talking at one point about him being the the goal in the league that's going to play the most games, or he's certainly up there. And, um, I, and you know, I, to the point where I joke when we've had an awful defeat, you know, that the first thing I'd see is check is, did we have Niamey in goal? Because, um, which, you know, is a little unfair because I don't think he gets enough of a look in to get any form. Um, but at the same point, so they do, yeah, heavily rely on Carey Price, and I think without him, yeah, we wouldn't, we'd be nowhere close. As simple as that. You know, you, the start... you, sorry, Claire, sorry. Do you think? Do you think he's because at the beginning of the season there was a lot of talk about him and that contract, and well, it's just kicking in and all this kind of stuff. Is he worth that money? Um, yeah, I think I think so, and and he's, he's what was he voted for by all the players as the yeah. as, as the best. Was it player or goalie? I can't remember which. A goalie, yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, he's, so he's you know, the people around him and in, in his rival teams are saying it. Um, yeah, I think so. I think he's. I think he's. Yeah, the best. Is he going to have his number retired though? Do you think he's uh, entitled to that? Um, that's a good question. I mean, he's he's not got. I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. He's not mm. got the. Um, he's not got the Stanley Cup, so. Um, it's a difficult one, but he's um, yeah. I don't know. He's stuck stuck with the Canadians, um, and he's and he's and he's played well. Um, I always find him as a strange personality because he looks so sort of subdued <laughs> and mm. vacant. And then when he gets on the ice, it's like all business. Here we go. I've got it. I'll jump around the ice. I'll you know swap pucks with my stick. I'll do whatever it takes to keep them out. Um, but he's yeah. It's just a very strange strange character um but yeah i don't know i think he should be retired but i don't think he will uh, there was a similar conversation about koivu a while back um should he be retired um despite the fact you know he hadn't really achieved a lot um despite being a really good player for the team um 
and and I think because they're quite traditional Canadians, um, you know the way they do things. I think don't think they will, um, but I think they should. So the crazy thing about that with Carey Price is we're talking about retiring retiring his number. He is thirty one years old, but he's just started a ten point five million dollar contract for the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. I mean, seven years. So he's going to be playing for the Montreal Canadiens for a long time. So you would think you would think that he stands a pretty good chance of having a very good run with that team. Bear in mind where they are trending, some of the young players that they've got right now. You would think that all this talk of whether his number gets retired or not, he probably feels like he's still got a chance in his future to be able to write that and to, to cast all aspersions away and make sure that his number definitely is retired. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you just mentioned about teams turning things around in, in one or two seasons if you get the right couple of players come in. Um, you know, we've got players like Domi and Gallagher. Um, Deneau plays, you know, can play pretty well when he wants to. Um, and Kotkaniemi, obviously, um, mm. is who the future's been you know, hanging on and sort of saying they're not going to trade him. He's going to be there for the long run. He's only 18. Um, the main one, really, in the side at the minute that's letting everyone down is Duran. You know, he's the name across everybody's lips, you know, of um, his difficult character. He thinks he's, you know, the whole team. He's lazy. He doesn't um, defend, um, gives the puck away too much. And I think an interview this week or the week before where he, he said that, you know, everyone's on my back, yet other players on the team can give it away several times and get no, you know, no media attention, no um, pressure from, from the media. Um, but, you know, he's, he's got a lot of talent and they're expecting a lot more from him, but he's just not delivering, um, which has seen him being dropped down to the third line um, and his minutes reduced, rightly so. Um, and then you've got players like Lekkonen, um, who is, is sort of the opposite. No one's expecting a great deal from, but he's just been just playing his heart out at the moment, just been putting everything in. He's been seeing shots saved, hit the post, you know, just really disappointing um, not getting the goals, um, but just just really playing for everything, um, and he's been moved up the lines, um, and so it's kind of good to see that you know the performance over talent thing is happening, and um, you know they are, yeah, giving giving the youngsters a lot of ice time, um, yeah. And that's a worrying thing with Druan, like he, you know he's your highest paid forward, at a cap hit of five point five million, and you look through the ranks. At, the positive flip to that would be the fact that actually when you look through, you guys are expected to have around $8.5 million in cap space. You've got all of your kind of draft picks and a couple of others as well. And you kind of think that actually well, you've got the cap space, you've got the picks, you've got a couple of good young prospects and you've got no hefty big contracts other than possibly the Shea Weber one, which albeit, you know, that's looking good now not going to look good towards the end of it but you know that's probably the only one as long as Carrie Price can stay healthy and keep going then you know it as an organization it looks like that it's in a pretty good position to be able to draft well over the next few years and then pay those players who like Kotkaniemi who will require a big contract but the from from an outsider looking in it looks like you guys are in a pretty good place right now regardless yeah. actually of the playoffs this year like you said at the beginning you don't know whether 
making the playoffs is a good thing or a bad thing, kind of it would just be a bonus for this season. But actually, in the long run, yeah, you, you guys are in a good position regardless of what happens in the final few games of this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I agree. Um, yeah, missing the playoffs may be better than crashing out early on, you know, and 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 sort of it being a, you know, a bad experience for those, um, you know, looking forward to the next couple of years. Um, yeah, and there's talk anyway of has Cockaniemi played too many games at his age. His first season he's played such a long, um, long NHL season. He's been rested a few times lately as well which is some people have agreed with, some haven't. Um, and, you know, if we're going to go into the playoffs, he'd, he'd have to be a big part of that. And he's already, you know, played a hell of a lot of games. Um, I think, yeah, I think the experience so far this season is, is good enough. And hopefully, um, yeah, we can build on that next year. When it comes to something that I think Toronto's done quite well, they've got a good farm system, you know, in the Marlies, Toronto Marlies. What option? What, what's the setup for Montreal Canadiens like? Um, it it's it's a little bit. There's a few players. There's Lingren, the goalkeeper. I think he's, he is. Um, and it's there. There's talk of whether he should have replaced Niemi, and he's not. They've not broken him through or brought him up. Um, so it seems like um, being brought up into the the hab side is. It's difficult to do for the youngsters. It's difficult to achieve that. Um, and that's probably due to the history of the team themselves and, you know, what, you know, all those Stanley Cups being one of the top six. Um, and I think saying the players who, who are in the roster should know what it's like to play for the Canadians. You should know what, what a big deal it is. Um, and so I think it's difficult for those youngsters to get into the, into the side or brought up. Um, so... Mm. Yeah, it's there's definitely some good prospects down there, but they're not going to get seen as often as maybe in other sides. Because uh, at the start of the season, my uh, geeky fact book tells me that you guys were the lightest and also the shortest team in the NHL. <laughs> so. Yeah, full of children. Yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some small players in there. Yeah. You know, the um, just thinking of Montreal Canadiens and the history. One of the the best books, the best hockey books that I read. I guess you must have heard of it, "The Game" by Ken Dryden. You guys uh, read yeah. this? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. It's, no, it's, I've not read it. It's really good. Do you know what? I never actually finished it. I got to like, I'm just. I found it on my Kindle right now. I'm a ninety percent. I didn't finish the last ten percent. <laughs> That's really poor, isn't it? Um, <laughs> But he's one of the, the best goalies in Canadians' history back in the 70s. And he really does give a great insight into what life is like on the road. I mean, it's almost like a, a diary. You're kind of going back in time through the journey. What, how he kind of... Well, what he was doing spending his time when they were out on the road. And that, that feeling when you know that you're going to not be in the lineup, You're not going to start on this game, even though it's crucial and... Um, yeah, I just, I, for me, it was like one of the, the best books because obviously his coach was Scotty Bowman, um, who is such a larger than life character and a well-known guy across the league now in terms of management. But um, it, yeah, it was really insight, really interesting insight. And um, just about like, I guess with the goalies, the, the relationships they have, like we know with the least that Freddie Anderson and 
Austin Matthews seemed to be quite pally. Um, but I guess it must be quite, who wants to be friends with a goalie? Like the most boring, nerdy person in the team. It's a really strange dynamic as well, isn't it, between the goaltender and the backup goaltender? Because it's, it's kind of, there aren't that many, well, there aren't that many teams that have a, have a kind of an A and a B. It, it, it is really, or sorry, you know, a, a kind of a 1A and a 1B. Like they're all kind of, there is a starter and then a backup. And it is a different role. Like in other sports, the goaltending role is one where you're constantly fighting the other person to get that spot. Whereas, you know, Antti Niemi knows that he's never going to take Carey Price's jersey off him. And likewise, Garrett Sparks knows that he's never going to take Freddie Anderson's jersey off him, certainly not for for foreseeable future. So it is a different role in terms of being that backup and being in the relationship with the starting goaltender. It, it, it would be fascinating. I've never really heard any ex-goaltenders talk about it massively. You need to read that book. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I will, because it, it's a relationship that always fascinates me because they seem quite isolated. Certainly when you see them doing their warm-ups or when you see them you know, on and off the ice on what the TV cameras show, they always seem quite isolated from each other. Now, I could be completely wrong about this and they could all be very close, but... It's a, yeah, it's a fascinating relationship in that hockey team that you see. Well, see, the only thing I was, I was watching Formula One because uh, the season started, hasn't it? And because um, when, when there's two drivers per team, mm. there's normally one driver who will be the lead driver and then the other Yeah, driver, that's right? true. And so when they kind of get to crucial points in the race and then the second driver has to move out the way to let the lead driver go forwards in order, you know, for the team to get closer to their aspirations. You do wonder whether like if a backup goalie is on a really good run, they've got to kind of back down a little bit so that the lead, the lead goalie, the more expensive one, or really in hockey, is it this where it's quite unique where the coach will put the best man for the job in the net, you know, it's, um, yeah. But I think we're, we're going to see that a little bit now. I mean, there's, there's some examples of that in the NHL this season with, with Calgary and with Dallas and teams like that who are actually going into the playoffs with, with a question mark over who their number one is. And, and not because their number one has been a disappointment, just because they've actually had some really good goaltending from both their goaltenders. And so it'll be interesting to see how that, goes in the playoffs you know will Riddich or Mike Smith start for Calgary or Hudobin and uh, Ben Bishop you know who is gonna who's gonna play those games and are they gonna flip-flop them or are they gonna just go with who's hottest at the time mm. but it's a it's it's a fascinating dynamic and the I've I've kind of come round to the conclusion that the pressure on NHL goaltenders is just huge because teams teams win Stanley Cups or teams win Stanley Cup playoff rounds because of their goaltender. Or likewise, they lose it because of their goaltender. And the pressure on those guys must just be intense. And the weight of those franchises must sit very firmly on their shoulders. And even in a high-scoring team like the Leafs and some of the other teams out there, they've been let down by goaltending sometimes. And you just can't you can't compete if your goaltender's leaking goals left, right and centre. And it's, it's, it does fascinate me. As a position in sport, it is unique 
beyond even other kind of goaltender or goalkeeping positions in sport. Yet they're not always the the best paid on the team, are they? You would well, no. think that really they should be all on like ten grand, ten million pound yeah. contracts. Carrie Price should not be the the one that stands out as the only one that's paid like that. You know, Bobrovsky in Columbus, who is asking for supposedly is asking for a ten million dollar contract on his next deal. You know, that shouldn't be laughed at. That should be, well, yeah, if you can come here and be a Vesna winning goaltender for us, damn right we'll pay you 10 million because we could pay a forward 10 million and he's not going to be the difference between getting through a playoff round or not. More, more likely, you're going to be the difference in that. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see whether their stock rises over the years, but it doesn't seem to be that trend at all. Forwards mm. keep getting paid more, stars keep getting paid more, goaltenders, there's there's very few who are on that kind of in those upper echelons of um, NHL payments or, or salaries. Mm. Okay. Well, look, I want to come to you about your trip to Toronto and we'll just recap where the rest of the, um, the playoff situation is right now. Uh, mm. But Dave, obviously I'm intrigued to kind of understand how you have become um, an NHL fan because the nature and the very name of this podcast is that we are all watching NHL from afar. Um, how do you watch? What's your story? How the heck have you got into this crazy sport? Um, yeah, just what I watch the games usually the next day. Um, I can't manage to stay up for most of them and most Habs games aren't an early game. Um, so I tend to watch them as I am now the following day to catch up. Um, I became a hockey fan sort of uh, mid to late 90s. I think I randomly was someone bought a PlayStation game for me and started playing. Um, and then I started watching <laughs> on Channel 5, like a lot of the fans that have been on here, similar sort of story, um, and stayed up. Um, I remember once I got a head injury from playing football at school and I had to stay in hospital overnight. Uh, and the best part of it was bleary-eyed, staggering um, down the corridor at night. Um, and seeing someone who'd got their own room and they had hockey on, sort of staring through the glass, watching them, I thought, oh, great, I can catch a bit of hockey at least. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, staying up painfully, watching it um, through then. Um, I've dipped in that over the years. I think it's hard. It's such a, it's, as a British fan, it is everything's against us. You know, the time zones, um, the amount of games that are played to keep up with, um, just, just to follow your own team. Um, you know, it, it's it's difficult. So I've dipped in and out. Um, and recently, come back to hockey more recently, um, when I was at school as well, someone invited me to some Nottingham Panthers games. So I got into British hockey for a bit, but um, it's just not the same. It's, you know, for me, it's just, you know, um, so more about the fighting, you know, um, and not so much about the skill. And, and and then I got to see um, my only NHL game 17 years ago this uh, this March it was, which was Canadians versus Florida Panthers, and they lost 2-1. Um, but it was it was just an incredible incredible experience. Um, and it you know until you've seen it live as well, it's still not quite the same. I think you see it on telly, mm-hmm. it, it's sort it's you know you get it, you kind of get it. Um, but then when, you know when you see it live, that's when you really go, wow, the skill. Um, and I think probably the reason that the sport struggles over here a bit, you know, um, and that it's not 
um, so easy for people to understand. Like, I've, you know, I've met a lot of people who get into it in the Olympics and watch it and they're like, oh, that's really exciting. It's a really great sport. And then it's like, so you're following it now still? No. Oh, um, I think because, you know, we, it's harder to play. It's harder to get into. Um, if you want to start playing football, you do it in P at school and you don't have to spend much money on kit. But, you know, you've got to buy all the kit. You've got to go to training camps, learn how to skate, you know. Um, and so I think it's hard to appreciate the skill for a lot of British fans. Mm. Um, but as a, someone with no balance and absolutely terrible on anything like <laughs> skates, ice skates, skateboards over the years, I fully just think, wow, you know, I'm in awe of, of when it's played at its best. Um, and yeah, and yeah, it's just, just followed it as best I can in and out different seasons. Um, missed a few, but, but yeah, um, Canadians fans. Why, why Canadian, why Montreal Canadiens though? Um, just, I've got friends there and I've visited there. Um, and it's a team who I saw, saw live, you know, um, and there's, it's just, the Bell, uh, the Bell Centre or Molson Centre as it was then. Um, I mean, the game last night, the atmosphere, you could tell even on, on TV, it's just, there's just not a lot like it. It's pretty incredible. Um, I also grew up as an Arsenal fan and, and there's a lot of jokes about that being like a library um, <laughs> when they play. Um, and it, it's just not like that at all, really, there. It's just, you know, it's just incredible. Um, so, it's yeah, they gripped me, really. Um, yeah. It's a great city isn't it i i went there um a few years ago and there was a hockey game on it was a saturday night that i was there and i tried to get tickets but they were like 300 dollars each and i just thought no i can't do that but i sat in a bar and watched some of the hockey and this was like before i completely understood what on earth was going on i just liked the excitement and it seemed to be like part of the culture i suppose um but it is a it is a proper proper hockey town isn't it everybody talks about that stuff just like toronto is really it's you know lives and dies by the sword of how the hockey team's going Not but with, but, but, uh, well i was going to say particularly with montreal you often hear that when players talk about their favorite arenas to go to and the the arenas with the best atmosphere and the most passionate fans it's always montreal that comes in that you know they're just so passionate about their hockey and, you know, whereas Toronto's sports market is diluted slightly by some other sports that are going on, whereas Montreal, those Canadians are, are that is their team. And I think that's reflected then in the, well, certainly what you hear in the crowd. Mm. So, um, Dave, I just want to bring in um, discussions about fighting. We'll kind of go into the more specifics of Paul Byron um, in a in a second, but just kind of just give us an idea. What what are your thoughts about fighting in the sport? Do you miss it, or do you think it's a waste of time? Um, I'm not a fan, um, which kind of goes against probably the majority, I think, of, of fighting. Probably from watching British hockey, if anything else, because it was just more of the spectacle than most of what else, what other things that go on in in the games that I used to go and watch or it was at least the bit that most people there seem to be looking forward to. Um, and it, it, it didn't seem to come out of any, you know, too many nasty hits. It was just kind of randomly like, right, let's go. This is what we're doing. Um, obviously, the NHL seen a massive decline in fighting. Um, and that was part of the talks that I've heard this week. Um, and I think that's it's quite, it's good. I think that was one of the impressive things when I saw an NHL game is just, you know, that they could avoid each other. They could get the puck without... 
um, you know, flattening each other if they, if they wanted to. Um, and I just think, but I think there's problems with the league and, and the suspensions that go out and, um, and that's why it still exists. Um, but yeah, I'm not, not a particular fan of the fine, to be honest. Because you watch um, or have watched women's hockey as well. And you said it was pretty impressive to see hockey that doesn't need the contact and doesn't need the fights. Yeah, women's international hockey um, at the Olympics, for me, is pretty impressive. Um, there's not a lot of contact. Um, probably, I might be wrong, but one of the least um, contact um, formats of the sport. Um, I also saw, I think, a Russian team come and play Nottingham Panthers years ago, and they just could just skate past you. You know, They, they could just keep the puck away from you. It was just the skill level was incredible. Um, and, yeah, just you know a certain level of contact's fine um but i just just think and i don't think many it doesn't seem like the league the players in the league are as interested in it as they were probably in the 90s when i started watching hockey like it's not as it's nowhere near as regular as it was um so i think it's definitely going in that direction but i know there's a lot of people who who you know would disagree yeah it seems like there's still um there's still maybe half the players are of the new way of thinking and half the players are of that older, grittier, you need to stick up for your teammates and drop the gloves. It's still kind of in a transition period, but maybe as we go through the years, we'll start to see some of those older kind of thinkers disappear as they retire. Um, but when you look at the Paul Byron, um, Mackenzie Weger situation that happened a few weeks ago, Florida and uh, Montreal playing against each other. Of course, Paul Byron had been suspended earlier in the season um, for a hit that he'd done um, on Weger. And, and Weger asked the question, as, as he would, do you want to go? You know, let's just, let's resolve this. End of the season, last game we're going to meet, potentially, whatever. Let's just, let's just get this out the way. Um, and Paul Byron didn't have to say yes, but there was this thing around the code that he felt that it was right that he should. He had to go through with it. Um, and ultimately, that cost him several games, concussion, and a heck of an uppercut to his face, where even Mackenzie Weger sat in the penalty box watching the replay, was cringing, thinking, ouch that's really going to hurt and felt bad when he came out in his statement. I mean, what, what's your take on that situation yourself and, and what are Canadian fans saying about this? Um, I'm with, I'm, I'm in line with the Canadian fans that I've been sort of listening to this week or so about it. Um, in that it was, it was purely Paul Byron's mistake. You know, um, Uyghur did nothing wrong. Um, you know, he, he was, within his right to sort of say, no, you know, it's not, I don't think it's settled or do you want to just settle it now? Um, Paul Byron chose to drop the gloves. And I think, um, you know, we we stated that he wasn't going to, you know, it was, it was, it was, he'd offered the fight to, uh, to Paul Byron. He didn't, you know, he didn't sucker punch him. There was no kind of uh, random, you know, starting with the fight. He, he uh, dropped the gloves. He saw, he said, let's drop the gloves. Paul Byron, you know, um, just thought probably, oh, this is the right thing to do, and went ahead with it. But actually, and many Canadians fans, many podcasts, um, other places are saying, you know, the same thing that he's, it was foolish, really. You know, he's a smaller guy, he's not a fighter, um, and he's basically cost the team quite a, a good, fast um, sort of third, fourth line centre, uh, sorry, winger, um, you know, some games at an important point in the season. 
um, which is certainly, I think, what's happened um, with that. So I don't think I don't think there's any blame on Uyghur, but it goes back to that thing of is the punishment you know bad enough? So um, you know, other people probably think it was Byron you know suspended for enough games. Um, maybe that's why it happened. Um, but yeah, I think it's purely Paul Byron's foolishness. He should have, you know, let someone else answer the call. Um, but then a lot of people also saying that, that Max Domi, you know, likes to uh, scrap. Well, we all know who his dad was. Um, but, you know, he's he's our highest scoring player this season so far. Um, but yet he's still happy to drop the gloves if he needs to. And he's, he's a smallish guy. Um, so, yeah, Paul Byron's mistake. Mm. What I find what I find bizarre about this situation, and it was really interesting. I, I listened to a, a podcast, and I've heard him a couple of times talk about it. Dan Carcillo, the ex um, NHL player, has been quite outspoken about this, and is very outspoken about concussion um, in the NHL, and how he he strongly believes it's something that the NHL has to do a lot more about to protect its players, um, and kind of talks about education being the, the key to this. What I, what I found utterly bizarre about this whole thing was that Paul Byron got suspended for that original hit. So, so in, the, in the new world order, if that's how it's going to be interpreted, the league did their bit. They suspended him for the hit and he got punished. OK, you can argue whether that was you know, enough or not enough or all of those kind of things, but he got punished by the league and he got his suspension. him then having to stand up and go through that whole fight thing that has now ended his, well not ended his season but certainly given him a few games at least where he's not going to be involved and this is going up against you know this is a guy who's got a hell of a lot on the line right now against a player who has nothing on the line at this moment in time and it just seemed odd that I could almost understand it more if this was a hit that then went unpunished and there was a feeling of you need to answer for this. You did wrong. It didn't get called up. But people, you know, players came out or certain people said, well, you know, it's for the players to police. But yet the league did police it by suspending him. So I'm not quite sure. Are you just going to have to ramp up the suspensions to even more so that there's not a shadow of a doubt that players get called for these things? Or where, where does it stop? I know we're trending in that direction, but just, it just seemed odd that that was something that he felt like he had to do. And when challenged, I've heard many players on, on radio and podcasts on TV saying, uh, well, being asked the question, would he have lost respect in the dressing room if he hadn't have done what he did? This is Paul Byron. And the answer that I heard the most from ex-players was yes. Now, I don't know. Is that because they're ex-players? So they're, you know, their references are dated in terms of this is what it would have been like in our day. But their answers were overwhelmingly that I was hearing. Yes, he would have lost respect in the dressing room if he hadn't done what he did, even with as much on the line as Paul Byron had at the time, which to me as a fan is baffling. I've never played ice hockey. Of course, I don't know anything about the code. I'm not involved in all of this. But as a fan, I, I found it just baffling. I, absolutely baffling. I find it really difficult to see that that was the right thing for a player of my team to do if this was the consequences. Mm. I just yeah. don't know. I, I, I just find it, I find it baffling. But it's, it's a part of hockey that I think that I sometimes find difficult to comment on because I feel like I came in too late to it. 
Like I don't understand the the how big a part of the game this was and still is for certain people and for certain fans as well. So I kind of feel a bit uneasy sometimes coming in and saying, "Well, let's just get rid of it. It's fine. Coach mode doesn't matter." Yeah. But... See, because predominantly, I've always um, I've actually always enjoyed the fighting. Um, when we spoke about it previously, I, I've said, you know, I like the drama of it. I like the pantomime. Um, it has a place in the tactics and the energy that it creates and ramps up, uh, particularly when it's in a home barn. But yeah. uh, Did you see that fight, though, that Mackenzie Wigner was involved with the, the week before in Boston against, uh, I can't remember who it was, um, but it was against a Boston player. And the Boston guy pasted him. Really? absolutely pasted him. It was the one where he basically just, with his left hand, took him to pieces. And watching it, I kind of, you know, those kind of fights that I can kind of just enjoy for what they are, are, are you know, in a, in a kind of, in a ridiculous way, are, are those kind of, those scuffles or those bits of fights, those fights where it actually looks like, you know, there is a player hurting another player. I can't enjoy it. No, and, I and just that, can't. Like, that's exactly well the the situation with Paul Byron that it was it was horrible to watch because clearly yeah. that whatever it was that had happened to his head instantly he was he just looked like he was drunk you know it was punch drunk wasn't he and it was horrible to watch and and the crowd were kind of ooing and ahhing in shock watching him even just skate off the ice he could he had to be helped off. That's never fun. I mean, I don't mind a bit of blood, losing a tooth, watching a tooth bounce on a piece of ice. They can get a new one. But yeah. it's something like concussion. Now we're all way more aware of how dangerous this really is. And also in a situation where right now with all these court cases and things going on with the NHL, I don't really feel like the league are taking this serious enough. So, um, you know, particularly compared to the NFL, just start it's starting to grate on me more um that i think yeah maybe this isn't as fun as i thought it was now that we know about the repercussions of this stuff um it doesn't feel doesn't feel so much like entertainment um no no and i think that's where i don't know we probably we probably sit at a different a different viewpoint to to some people who've watched hockey a lot longer than we have and I guess this is going to be the the challenge for for the NHL to to do, but but at the same time, I kind of feel they are doing some things right in terms of you know the number of fights are going down. The 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 dream scenario for the NHL right now would be that fighting disappears and they do nothing about it, like they do nothing other than what they're already doing, which is suspending players for doing you know wrong things and. Um, and penalizing players for fighting and the strength uh, the skill and speed of players goes up therefore the fighting goes down and it just kind of phases itself out i can't believe for a second that they aren't thinking that that is the way that they want to deal with this like that must be gary bettman's ideal scenario that he just sees this thing just disappear without any kind of you know, the NHL on this season have decided that there are no more fighting. And if you end up fighting, it's a 10 minute major and a game misconduct or something like that. You know, they don't want to have to do that. But this scenario, I think, suits them a little bit better. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, good point. Mm. Thanks very much. I think it's the nice thing you've ever said about me, Claire. <laughs> <laughs>
Right, talking about nice things, Toronto yeah. made the playoffs. They did, yeah. thank God, finally. Took yeah. a while. They, they did it in New York Islanders. I mean, that one, you know, poetry, <laughs> isn't it? Let's, so let's look at play of hockey. Um, yeah. Just uh, two, three, four games left in the season, depending which team you're following. Um, and, you know, we went through the situation on last week's episode. It was really tight. There was a bit of a dance going on. And now on this week's, it really feels like if you lose a game, you're gone, aren't you? Mm. That, that's, it's whoever loses first, um, yeah. which is so tense. So we kind of had picked up there about the, the race between Carolina, Columbus and Montreal. Um, yeah. I can't remember what I said last week. I think I, I, think I had um, Carolina and Montreal down with Columbus to just miss out. But Did you? I don't. I, um, I don't think still... I could put a bet. I don't think I could, I could. I can't do this. I can't choose for you, Dave. I'm. I'm lost on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's close, isn't it? Ninety four points for Columbus, Montreal. Ninety five for Carolina. Um, I yeah, it's and they've both been so good. I think Carolina and Columbus. Um, I mean, Carolina have impressed me. Columbus have um, since the trade deadline. You know, some people have worried that they're trades haven't really aren't going to pay off in time it's you know hard to make it work with bringing those players but then they've you know started to pick up a bit and and play well they beat us when it mattered um you know mm-hmm. and yeah i i i think they're, they're both very difficult teams to to write off now um ahead of us certainly so yeah because columbus think- columbus columbus have been a disappointment though even if they even if they scrape into the second wild card spot, which you know maybe they get to the first wild card spot, but even if they scrape into the second wild card spot over you guys, that is a disappointing end to the season for Columbus. Thinking of how much they loaded up for this run in, I know nah, it's going to take some time. I don't think time. so. No, I don't there, think was, so. there was talk at the time around the trade deadline when they made all these moves of, well, they're going to be pushing Washington. It's not about that. And they're going to be pushing that. the Penguins for getting into the, the top three. I think all Columbus just need to make the playoffs and then what they need to do is make it past the first round. But they won't. If they finish in the second wildcard spot, they're going to face Tampa. Yeah. Gone. Out. I mean, Carolina, Columbus and Montreal are all trying to play for that first wildcard spot because I I wouldn't want to play Washington either, but I know which I'd take out of the two of them. Nobody wants to fit in a funny kind of way. No one wants to finish in that second wild card spot because what you're going to do, you're going to face Tampa. And I appreciate you guys beat them the other night, Dave. But as you kind of alluded to, that's not Tampa Bay firing on all cylinders. And they are just such a, a, a formidable opponent that, yeah, I mean, for Columbus, I just do not believe that a first round exit to the Tampa Bay Lightning would be deemed as a successful season considering how much they gave up for this season the thing is though if pittsburgh lose lose both their last two games to red wings and rangers who have nothing nothing to play for they could just call some upsets and then let's say columbus win both their games like they there would still be some move around so I love you know, what Detroit are doing at the moment, where they're just... They're on they just six go, wins in a row, aren't they? They're tearing through the league. Like, they beat Pittsburgh 4-1 the other night. And they're just... They're on this incredible run. Like, and, and why? Yes, six wins in a row. Their last 10, they're 8-2-0. and oh. You know, they're, they're, they're seventh overall in the Eastern kind of 
um, on that race to the wildcard spot. They're never going to make it, obviously. How are they putting together this run? It's incredible. Because they need to sell season tickets. Well, well, there is that. Yeah, there is that. And I think there is a, there is a feeling of, you know, but, but again, do you want to put a run together like that? Or do you want to have a better chance of getting Jack Hughes? It's a funny kind of year. It'd be interesting to know from Detroit fans whether they're enjoying this run of six game wins or whether they're head in hands thinking, hang on a minute, we've now pretty much put ourselves out any chance of getting either of the top two picks. Mm. So then in the West... Um... So at the moment, Pittsburgh are the only one out of the, the top three in either division that are not uh, guaranteed. So Washington, yeah. the New York Islanders are, have both clinched. Tampa obviously won the President's Trophy back in about November. Um, and Boston and Toronto also clinched with Toronto clin- clinching the other night. Carolina, Columbus, both with that up for grabs and Montreal fighting for them right till the end. So Pittsburgh, as you said, Claire, still up for grabs. So yeah, interesting times for the next uh, couple of days in the Eastern Conference. But yeah, let's go West. I would love it if Pittsburgh missed out and then Carolina, Columbus and Montreal made it. <laughs> Could that happen? 97? I don't know. I've not got the points. Uh, no, I don't think that. Uh, 97, 90. Well, it could. Yeah, no, it could. Brilliant. Yeah, it could. Brilliant. Um, just to see Crosby's poor little face. Oh, he's so harsh. Oh, you can go and commiserate with Conor McDavid. Maybe you can go you and could... play in the World Championships <laughs> or whatever it is. Did you see that? The other, yeah, that would be great when I go and see them in that. Um, did you see that the Dry Sidle and McDavid have both got 100-point seasons um, and uh, you kind of saw them sheepishly kind of posing with a puck, celebrating this fact with, you know, I'm Forget- sure they were well aware of the fact no. that the team was missing the playoffs again. Forget the photo. You need to go and listen to the interview that Colin McDavid did. Yeah, man, really? Talk about gritting your teeth oh, and uh, the disappointment was rife, um, you know, because he, he hasn't got any playoff experience, has he? I hate, I hate that whole situation. As a fan of the NHL, I hate it. Like, really? I can't even enjoy, yeah, I can't even enjoy it, like, because Conor McDavid is too good to be, I just feel that his career shouldn't be wasted like it is at the moment. And, yeah, I, I find it really difficult to watch, which is, I can, I can enjoy Edmonton failing as a kind of a fan of another Canadian team but at the same time I sit there and think I don't know McDavid's too good to to waste a career on <laughs> Dave different thoughts um well he never looks happy does he <laughs> well <laughs> you know, would you he, be he, though would you he, be if you were on he the looks like he, you know <laughs> no but he's, you know, he's he's playing this whole. I'm committing my time to Edmonton. I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm the brand. I'm here. But you know, he's he's obviously really miserable about it. But I just think it's good to see people playing really well, even if their team's not. It's just I don't know. I just think. It, and Drysaddle is like what second highest goal scorer in the league. Yeah, he's had an incredible um, season. Yeah, he plays for Edmonton. So yeah. I think that's still that's impressive. You know, it's you know. It's, I think still still good to see it's something for Edmonton fans to cheer about. You know, at least they've got you know someone exciting to watch, um, even when they're when they're struggling. So, it's funny. Like, I, I I just wonder. What, I don't know. I mean, it must be it must be nice having yeah, as you say, Drysdale and McDavid to watch as your uh, as a fan. But at the same time, there must be a, a next level of urgency right now 
for those Oilers fans thinking we have got two, we well, we have got one player who is arguably one of the best players in the world in a few years, probably will be without a shadow of a doubt. We have got that player on a contract here and we've got players around him like Dreisaitl and a couple of others as well. And yet we're still consistently missing out on the playoffs. That clock is ticking so quickly compared to, you know, for example, Montreal with like players like Kotkaniemi. I'm not saying he's like McDavid, but, you know, your, your stars and your players are at the right time of their careers to be in a team that's not doing brilliantly right now. And I just don't know how enjoyable that would be for an Oilers fan to see that. I just think it would be too... Yeah, the potential would be there too much. As a Maple Leafs fan this year, I've enjoyed it far less since we've had all these brilliant players than when we were rubbish but with potential. And I think because the timing with the stars is so key in the NHL. The thing is, is Conor McDavid in years to come be a bit like what happened with John Tavares and New York Islanders? I don't, I don't think you'll see out his contract. I don't, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't see why. Where, where would he go? Because, um, I mean, anywhere. It, it's, <laughs> it, I mean, you know, pre-cap hockey, it, it got a bit, you know, it got a bit stale. I think you know teams, you know, being being the best, they having having all the best players, you know, or having a larger share of them. Um, yeah. And now, you know, although I think a lot of people probably didn't, you know, were worried about the change. I think now it's more exciting than that any basically any team can, you know, um, like you said earlier, a couple of years and they can turn it around. You know, a couple of years time, Ottawa could be, you know, incredible. You just you just don't know. And the fact that teams can't hold on to, you know, really, really good players sometimes because of, of cap mm-hmm. space. Um, so I think, yes, lots of teams want him, but is there anyone who'd be able to take him, you know, that has a- any more stars than the, the, the Oilers do now? You know, would he just Seattle. go like Watch for this space. Seattle. He'll go, <laughs> yeah, he'll be, he'll go to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's head to that Western Conference. Yeah, so we're we're looking in central, which they're all dancing at the top. Whilst they've made the playoffs, who the heck is going to be in one, two, three? Winnipeg are in a bit of a slump right now, and they could end up facing Nashville, St. Louis. Uh, well, we know Dallas is in the mix of the wild card one spot as yeah, well. They've clinched, haven't they now? And then with wildcard two, it's pretty much down to Colorado or Arizona. I mean, Colorado in a great situation here that they just need one point or Coyotes just to have any kind of loss and boom, they've done it. Um, In the Pacific, Calgary have obviously uh, clinched the conference, uh, sit at number one. And then we've got Sharks and Vegas two and three, which obviously they met last year in the playoffs in the second round. Um, and Vegas knocked the Sharks out. So that's quite a nice um, story, isn't it, really, to meet also, again in the first round? Yeah. Also, note that the San Jose Sharks are currently, on in their last 10, are on a 1-8-1 and one record. 1-8-1 one, and one going into the playoffs. That is appalling. With one of the worst, well, with some of the worst goaltending stats in the entire NHL this season, I... San Jose going out in the first round would not surprise me at all with how they are set right now. Uh, Which is amazing, considering... Jets, though. Jets are also similar, aren't they? 
they, yeah, the Jets are limping a little bit towards the playoffs. They're five, five and zero oh in their last ten. Um, but what's amazing with San Jose is what an up and down season they were because we had them in our crazy bracket before Christmas, kind of missing out on the playoffs or something like that. I think. And then, yet, yeah, then there was no doubt that they were going to make the playoffs then in kind of February and March. And then right at the end, they just seem to be going really cold at just when you don't want to, unless they're saving it all up. And then I take it all back and they could win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Do you know what we wrote in our crazy black yeah. um, bracket, right? <laughs> this, is, this is laughable, Dave. Okay. We put San Jose Sharks versus Edmonton. And oh, guess who geez. won? Edmonton. <laughs> Edmonton. Well, do you know what? Today I'd take that match up. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, who did we have? Oh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Nashville, Dallas, and Colorado. So, yeah, that yeah, kind not of. Not bad, actually. That's not, that's bad. not too bad. We did have nobody. Van- you if put Vancouver have... in the mix, though. If we'd have. Well, I still hold by that. That wasn't a bad shout. That looked like it might happen. But the one thing that nobody would have ever predicted was St. Louis. St. Louis being in the playoff spot, not only a wildcard place, but in one of the top three spots in the Central. That is a remarkable turnaround from being bottom of the NHL and getting ready to sell everything. Amazing so, turnaround. Because Jordan Binnington, he is, he's St. Louis back he up, is. isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's yeah. on well, a starter now. I think he's on an um, amazing trajectory. He needs to get a few more wins and then he's up there in terms of a rookie goalie and um, having one of the highest amount of wins. I think he's in top 10, yeah, but I he's think, not yeah. top five. But, I mean, you look at some of the people in that list, you're talking Marty Brodeur, you know, you're going like the creme de la creme. So for a young kid that everybody was like, who? Who's, yeah. who's this Jordan? Just and throw now this guy like, in. Why not? Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what his contract situation is. Is he, uh, is he up in, in July this year? I'm just trying to look. I think he might be an RFA, I think. Uh, I think he is an RFA. Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. What being a position to put yourself in. He's paying, being paid 650 grand this year. I highly doubt that will be the case as of next year. If you were someone like Sergei Bobrovsky... You'd be pretty mm. peeved off, wouldn't you? If they didn't make the playoffs and some kid gets in. And if, yeah. you, if they got past the first round, already you've got more experience than a guy who wants to ask for 10 mil a year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, that okay. True. Well, talking of kids, let's just recap. So uh, on Tuesday evening, um, the, they will announce like the draft lottery order. Uh, for the NHL. Is it this? Is it? Is that it? Next week? It's it's the oh. it's not the actual draft which will be no. in June, but it'll be like okay, who's number one? Who's number two? Who's oh. number three? Right? Man, I'm so excited. Um, and obviously Jack Hughes is the name that's been banded about. Capo Caco is yeah. the um other guy who's been banded about. And I went and did some research about Jack Hughes. Like Dave, do you know much about Jack Hughes? You know, uh, not a great deal. I've seen he's been sort of. Um, main prospect for a, for a few months now, but no, not a lot. Uh, it was quite hard to stalk. I guess that maybe hockey writers, they're not that bothered about them yet, are they? They'll wait to write up that in May or June. Um, he's also like a kid, Claire, as well. I mean, I don't know if you should be stalking kids online. Like, oh, what yeah. is he, like 17 years old? I mean, like, I mean, journalism stalking, <laughs> not like that. 
He's 17, yeah. He turns 18 uh, in May. Um, and it, the reason that he's kind of been watched for quite a while is he is part of the US National Team Development Program. And points-wise, he's been noticed because although he's a year younger than uh, Austin Matthews was when he got like a record of the most number of goals, he's still up there. He's being compared to the success of people like Matthews and Phil Kessel when they were in the program years ago. Like this year, he scored 23 goals. He's got 83 points and he's played 40 games. So yeah. you can see how he's doing. It's, it's, um, there are three uh, Hughes brothers. He's the middle one. So the older one is Quinn Hughes, which Andy, the Vancouver Canucks fan, was talking about because uh, Quinn Hughes was uh, went number seven as a first round pick last year um, for Vancouver. Um, and the thing that everyone talks about with him is how fast he is. He's well known for his skating. And then you look into a bit of his history, his parents, big hockey fans. Um, his dad was a player, was assistant coach for Boston Bruins as well. His mom's a lacrosse player, hockey, soccer player. So he grew up pretty much skating as soon as he could walk. Um, but the the fascinating thing in some of the interviews were obviously these kids talk about who do they aspire to be. Um, and on the ice, he's being compared to Patrick Kane. That's who he kind of idolizes at the moment. Um, and be compared to him because he's kind of classed as a shorter, uh, lighter forward. Mm. I don't think I've worded that right, but he's five foot 10, which is considered to be quite small, as they would say. For someone who is five foot four in a size four shoe, I'm like, dude, you're a giant. Okay, <laughs> that's ice hockey, isn't it? Um, and many years ago, he met Pavel Datsuk, and uh, it is Pavel who signed a poster of himself, uh, which he has on his bedroom wall, as in Jack Huster's. And on the, on the signature, it says, See you in the NHL. Ah, cool. Talk about making your dreams come true. And yeah. if you're from Orlando, then you've already been dreaming of Disney anyway, haven't you? So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. So that that, so cool. that was all I could find out about him, you know. Um maybe once we start getting closer to June, we'll start seeing more of these kind of personality pieces that will emerge. Uh, or maybe after next Tuesday we'll start seeing more write-ups of who they are but um i would urge if you are listening to this and you find out an interesting fact about jack hughes then please let me know um and i'll add that to my fascinating stat book yeah and any you know tips if you've ever been to colorado or maybe you've got good dining spots in colorado then they're also good because i'm sure jack hughes will need those as well when he ends up going there because <laughs> he has to because that'll be the best story <laughs> So just quickly then, tell us about your trip to Toronto then, Jolon. Make us okay. tell us. So in 60 seconds, um, it was amazing. I went to go and see three games. I went to go and see a uh, game versus the Rangers, uh, which was a very frustrating game where the Leafs outshot the Rangers and yet somehow still managed to lose. Uh, I went to then go and see the Marlies, where they were up 4-1, and then somehow they managed to lose it 5-4 in overtime. You can see the theme here. Um, and then thankfully, I then saw a... a absolutely rip-roaring game on the Monday, which was the Leafs versus the Florida Panthers, uh, where they won 7-5. I thought exactly the same thing was going to happen again and they would give up that lead. But it was a great game. I saw John Tavares score four goals, get his 45th goal of the season, which was just brilliant. It was such a great atmosphere. 
in the Scotiabank Arena. Two things to tell you about uh, the, my favourite things from the whole trip were, one was watching Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner in their post-warm-up kind of warm-up where the two of them just stay on the ice. Um, they're always the last off the ice uh, for the Leafs during their warm-up. And the two of them go into this kind of synchronised hockey kind of game that the two of them play, which is just quite incredible to watch. The skill those two guys have when there are no other players around on the ice, granted, is just remarkable what those guys can do with a puck. And to then do it in unison is even more remarkable. Um, so I was kind of jaw-dropping at just the warm-ups themselves, watching those two skate around. Um, and then the other thing that I just found fascinating and ended up uh, taking up a huge part of the game I watched in the, the Marley's game I watched, was that I noticed sitting opposite um, up in the boxes was Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas. And the two of them were in a box and they were chatting. And this was all around the time when there was this rips, a reported rift between the two of them, uh, where the two of them had fell out over various different things. And Babcock had been supposedly bad-mouthing Dubas in the media and all this kind of stuff. And I ended up watching the majority of the Marlies game just by watching those two. I don't know what it was about it, but I found it absolutely fascinating just staring at the two of them and the conversations that those two were having about the game in front of them. And I don't think it's any coincidence that when Mike Babcock left that game, the Marlies were 4-1 up. He left the game after the second period and then the Marlies lost the game 5-4 in overtime, blew the third period lead uh, without Babcock watching. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, yeah, it was fascinating watching the two of them just talk about hockey without the sound on. Obviously couldn't hear what they were saying. But yeah, that was, those were my kind of two takeaways. But yeah, every time I see NHL Hockey Live in person, it's just the best experience ever. You, and I got so excited about the playoffs. Oh my God, you should have videoed it and then dubbed it. It, it was too far away, Claire. I tried to take oh. a picture and it was only just... I could only just make out the two of them, um, that it definitely was the two of them. And uh, yeah, my eyes were, I, my eyes viewed it clearer than my phone camera did. <laughs> but um, you know, but, you know yeah. um, the, have you ever watched the NFL bad lip reading videos? Yes. Yeah, yeah. If, if yeah. anyone hasn't, I just advise you just to go do that. It's yeah, just great. It. But you could have filmed them and then like basically, you know, imitated just them. Just dubbed I'm, it. Yeah, and, and that would have gone viral, especially at this time of the season. Just dubbed it like, for, I mean, you know, yeah, just say things like Callie Rosen. I mean, he'll replace Martin Marincin, no problem. That guy can't even play hockey. Yeah, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, I'm sure it would have worked fine. Um, we're going to do a bracket challenge, aren't we? Final thing to mention. Just well, we go. I've already made the league. Um, I've seen this. this people is good. need I'm... to add their teams. I haven't done mine yet, so you've got till the 10th of April. Um, yeah, I'm going to do it once the, uh, the final few spots have been sorted out. But... Um, but yeah, so head over, do the bracket challenge. That'd be great. We can follow it on the podcast as we go through the playoffs. It's going to be an intense few weeks for us hockey fans right now. Um, I have no idea how I'm going to somehow follow these. Um, I've, I've just had a, uh, I've just got a new job, which means I work nine to five, which is a really odd thing. Are you like, kidding? This is amazing. Yeah. Great. So, so for at least the next three months, definitely over the playoffs anyway, I'm working Monday to Friday, nine to five, which actually turns out to be a real pain when it comes to watching NHL games because I used to work shifts and that was great having all the free time in the afternoon or mornings and things like that. 
So I'm going to have to really work hard at a schedule to make sure I can actually watch these playoffs. But it's going to heat up and get on that bracket challenge because it would be great to watch it. Yeah, so uh, the ways to get in contact with us, uh, we have an email address, which is nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Slack group where uh, we encourage friendly banter um, and just a sharing of conversations, um, different things. So just drop They're talking about answer. hockey cards right now, aren't they? That, they that are. was the latest yeah. uh, chat I saw. They were talking about hockey cards. So, yeah. And anything, Come and join us. Anything goes, as long as it's reasonably polite. Banter, yeah. is, banter is appreciated. <laughs> um, and obviously we're on Twitter as well. So do make sure um, when you follow this, just hit subscribe. Um, and you can rate and review us if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that would be much appreciated. Uh, Dave, so tense week for you. Yes yeah. or no, do you think that you're going to make playoffs? <laughs> horrible question. Uh, no, no. Oh man, no! You can't no. say that about your own team, Dave. <laughs> Ask me whether the Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup. Yes, of course they're going to win it. <laughs> Blind optimism, Dave. Blind optimism. <laughs> no goggles here. No. Yeah, you no. see, that's the difference between Canadians fans and Leafs fans. Well, <laughs> and the thing is, you've got it easier than anybody, any other fan has had on this season. Who do you think is going to win the Stanley Cup <laughs> like, like, this year? Uh, I don't think you can um, bet against Tampa Bay. No. Um, yeah. Who comes out of the West, do you reckon? Um... <laughs> Probably Colorado at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> Colorado with yeah. Jack Hughes. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, man. You think Colorado could win the Stanley Cup and get the first draft pick? Oh, do you know? I do. I just. I don't want it to happen just because of how Stephen. I don't know. He. He just implode. <laughs> I don't think we could cope having him on anymore. No, we'd no. I think that would it. He'd, he'd, we'd have to end his yeah his one year contract with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, well, Dave, best of luck. I yeah. mean, I'm a Leafs fan, so I can't really give you that much luck. And bear in mind, we're going to play on Saturday, and it's going to be our last game before we face Boston. So, I, I you know, it's with a heavy heart I say that I kind of hope you don't get in. But for your sake, and for what you know, it's an exciting team to watch right now. Max Domi, Cock and Yemi. And obviously, Carey Price is Carey Price. So you guys are in a very good position, whatever happens this year. So best of luck, whether you make it in or not. And thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll catch you next week when we get started talking about playoff hockey. Have a, have a great week, whatever you're up to.